Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. Man, oh man. Well, we've been talking about, well, we haven't been talking about anything. I heard Todd Griffith preached last week. Yeah, so it was good. Get a little different flavor when he comes in, so we'll have to thank him when we see him. But prior to that, we talked about judgments. We're still going to hang out, as you can see. Judgy McJudgerson's still there. You know? But we talked about the sense in which often judgments come out of perception and how perception is unique to all of us. Remember that? That perception like fingerprints. We all have our own. <laughs> and and not, there's not one single individual on the entire planet that has 100% accurate perceptions. And that means sometimes we get it wrong. Remember this? You know, and I would submit to you, you nearly always get it wrong, actually. Because <laughs> we need others, don't we? We need others to be able to shore up our perspective because they're seeing something different. They're seeing something with different, you know, different lenses, with a different heart, with different perceptions, with different preconceived ideas. They're, you know, maybe they saw a little nuance that you just didn't even see at all. And, and it takes a number of us to come together before we have actually the complete picture of anything that's going on. Yet, in spite of this reality, most of us we become convinced we can become convinced that we're absolutely right because perceptions are based on what I saw. It's, it's what I thought I saw. It's what I thought I heard. It's, it's, it's what I thought I observed or smelled. And, and it comes from our own history. It comes from our, up, our own upbringing, our, the, 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 the history that we've got with, with humanity, with people. And often we find that we judge people and circumstances without having all of the facts. In fact, I would submit to you that in most cases, that's exactly what we do, and it breeds offense, and it creates disconnection, and it keeps us divided as a people. Like, we don't have all of the facts, and yet somehow, in spite of that fact, we render a judgment on any given situation and on any given individual, and it's rock solid. We're immovable. It is what it is. It's destroying us. Here's what the Bible says, Proverbs 18, verse 13. It says, He who gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame to him. Hmm. And yet, how often, how many times a day do we fall into this trap, right? I I, I submit to you, we need to begin to curb our language a little bit and get this seasoned into a deep place. It reminds me of the scripture that's like, tomorrow I'm going to go here. And he's like, you don't even know that tomorrow is going to even happen. Like, like you're going to go there if the Lord wills. Like, there's like this tempering of of, of this this declaration you see in the word of, I'm going to go do this. No, you're not going to go do that. You're going to do that if the Lord wills. Like, you're completely submitted to him. I feel like the same temperament needs to be released to us as the body of Christ when it comes to judgments. It's that same sense of where somebody's like, you know, I, I know somebody does something, it, it, somebody cuts you off in traffic, and instead of your go-to being the negative condemning judgment, like, oh, women can't drive, which we know that's true, but that's a different story. <laughs> I, I, I told you, Bill, that it's bearded hillbillies lately, they're out to get me. I'm like, wait, what? I wouldn't have expected that guy to cut me off. What's happening here? No, so I'm just teasing, obviously. You know, but, but instead of our go-to immediately being the condemning judgment, like, oh, I can't believe they're driving like that. You know, it, it's the grace that goes, you know, I have no idea what's happening in that person's life. 
Yeah, it, because here's the thing. That, that when we pit those things against each other, when I'm like, oh, stupid woman just got me off. I can't believe they drive like this. She needs to have her license revoked. <laughs> she needs to have it renewed and go through the test again. And I've been to that place. She won't pass. Those people are mean over there. You know, like, like <laughs> so instead of immediately going to that, like, what does that produce for you? Yeah, it produces like bitterness and frustration and grumpiness. And you're like, what's wrong with you? I don't know. I'm having a bad day. Guy cut me off. You know, we let it ruin our whole demeanor, our whole outlook on life. We allow, we allow it to impact the relationships and to bring division and destruction to us. You know, who, who is it again who's assigned to go after us to steal, kill, and destroy? Right? That's the devil. So this has his fingerprints all over it. Now, in contrast, on the other side, when I'm like, man, I'm tempted to say, lady, you need to learn how to drive and stop cutting me off. And wow, that was three inches off my bumper. You must really know your car size. Impeccably. Well, well, I'm tempted to go there. Instead, I go, wow, Lord, bless that woman. Like, I don't, know, I don't know what's going on over there, but maybe there's an emergency. So would you get her, Jesus? Would you, you, know, would you release wisdom over her and her situation? Would you bring peace? Because she's driving erratically, so she's clearly not in peace. Right? And you're just like, I don't know what's happening with that lady or with that situation. Whatever that situation is, you define it. I don't know what's happening with that, but there is the possibility that there are numerous variables that are at play that I don't understand, and that that action, which perceivably was negative, might have been, might have been justified. You understand? And so it's the sense in which it's like living over here just makes me frustrated and angry, and I get to the point where I just don't even like people. I don't like people. I don't want to be around people. Like if you get to the place where you're like, I don't like people, and I don't want to be around people, you probably have some critical judgments you need to deal with. But over here on the other side, I, could, I would just want to submit to you, it's just better <laughs> because I could release it. And me, like, we wouldn't live our lives unoffendable. Do you know that? Like, and try, like, making our best efforts. First of all, he's released grace to be able to do it. But, <laughs> but living our lives in this unoffendable place where, where I could just, I can release grace over people and I, could, and I can pray for those perceivably that are my enemy in the moment, right? There's joy over there. Like, hey, how's your day going? Yeah, it's not been too bad. You know, eight people cut me off in traffic, but that doesn't seem to matter when I'm living like that, right? And, and, and the, yeah, have you ever had the comment where you're like, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed this morning? What does that even mean? You know, but like, if you woke up on the wrong side of the bed, maybe you had to crawl in and get out the other side or something. I, you know, but, but what we do is we allow it to be an excuse. I don't know, I'm just in a sour mood. And then it's like critical condemning judges just chases us the rest of our day. You're like, oh, well, how's your day going? It's going terrible. Everybody's cutting me off. Everybody's mean. And the Bible like, actually commissions us, it, it commands us to dwell on whatsoever is good, good reports and lovely things. And yet we find ourselves, when we live like this, dwelling on absolutely everything. But there might be some buts in there too. I don't know. <laughs> Those are never pretty. And when we live like that, it's destructive to us. And it, and it clouds our judgment. And honestly, and it, it numbs us. It, 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 it silences the voice of God. Because we can't hear God when we're dealing with all this other stuff. You got all these things in my mind and my heart. And oh, I'm just having a bad day. Like It's hard for God to even break it. It's not hard for God to break it. It's just hard for me to receive from him, to hear from him. I don't know, God is silent. Maybe he's waiting on you to knock it off. You know, can you see this? Like, this is how often many of us, we, get, we fall into this trap. This is how we live. And it's like, ugh, why is there no joy in the church? Because that's how we live. 
We're not being obedient to the word. And where there's a command in scripture, there's grace to be able to walk it out. So no excuses. (laughs) There is a place over here in his presence in the fullness of joy where we love our enemies and we extend grace to people around us where we're not the best driver on the road to continue to use that analogy at the expense of everybody else I come in contact with. Right? There's a place where we can live where we're seasoned out. And you know what? We don't have a heart attack and get gray hair because of over being overwhelmed every day by stress. Because it bounces off, we release it and we bless. I mean, isn't that what we're commanded to do? Bless those who curse you? Time to get back after the word, isn't it? There's another sense in which judgments unfold in our lives. And largely until now, I've been talking about the sense in which we are outwardly judgmental and we're walking in this place, which usually exalts us over everybody else that's around us. By the way, the Bible admonishes us not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Seems applicable in this moment. You know, and so there's that, there's that general sense, but there's actually a more specific sense in which judgments can get rooted in our hearts and then ultimately shipwreck our lives and in our faith. It's a more serious, uh, the, the other effects are, hmm, actually both of them quite equally affect our lives in tragic ways. And it, I would say to you, it's amazing to me what one can find, what one can see in any given circumstance when you have preconceived thoughts and ideas of what's supposed to be there or what you think is going to be there. Does that make sense? It's amazing what you can find. It's kind of like the Bible. Like You want it to say something, you can probably find enough scripture and cut it out of context until it finally says whatever you think it was supposed to say in the first place, right? Like, life is a little bit like this. It's, it's amazing when thoughts have been planted in your mind before something unfolds, how you begin to find that which was planted. Let me give you some examples from my own life. Is it all right if I throw myself under the bus just a little bit? Yeah, you like that, don't you? <laughs> you know, when, when I grew up, I, I, <laughs> we were, hmm, I mean, we were okay kids. You know, we weren't like Grace Ann and all spotless and unblemished. You know, <laughs> we were okay kids. We just, you know, I don't know. We grew up in a poor neighborhood and, you know, started drinking when we were in middle school. That's crazy, isn't it? I remember taking a shot of whiskey in the bathroom of the middle school with a friend of mine before we went to class. Who does that? What kind of kid does that? I can't even, I can't even remember who that was. <laughs> So suffice it to say, we were lawless. <laughs> yeah, we were lawless. You know, I remember one time we went down to the corner. There was a house being built. We stole every piece of wood off that guy's property and built the coolest fort out in the woods until the cops showed up. <laughs> you know, didn't go very well for us. I had my hands and my legs spread on the top of a, the hood of a police car, you know, uh, more than once. Can I submit to you that when those guys race onto a scene, their hoods are very hot. Put your hands back on. I can't. They're burning me. It's really hot, sir. You know, (laughs) and and so I I, I grew up with kind of a little bit of a a stigma with cops. And the the sense was that they they were always out to get me. (laughs) Right? 
it's amazing what a couple of eyes of truth will do for you. You know, a hundred years later, you're like, hmm, I wonder why that was, you lawless turd, you know. <laughs> but, the, but the sense that I carry was they were out to get me, you know. So we go to a fair, a street fair for school or something. The cop's walking around. I'm telling you, I have my eyeball on that cop the whole time. And we're avoiding that dude. Like, we're like, I used, I, we had to look so sketchy, you know. But like one eyeball on that cop 100% of the time, and we're trying to avoid that dude. Like, you know, I mean, even when I started driving, you know, I started driving, like my, my mode for driving was, well, of course I wouldn't obey the speed limit. That's ridiculous, right? I'm a car guy. You know, you go fast everywhere you go, you know. And so I had a radar detector, which actually didn't work at all. It was total garbage, you know. But the best radar detector was my eyeball, so I thought. And I would look far on the horizon. I still do this till today, even though I'm not that same speeding kid. Far on the horizon to look for cops so that I can slow down in advance to make sure I don't get a ticket. You know, I was always looking for cops. What were cops going to do? Because they're always out to get me. You know, this was the perception that I carried. When I was 16 years old, I got saved. So now, you know, I'm like, wow, this is all pre-16. Like, <laughs> whoo, oh, I tell you, what a whirlwind. So I got saved when I was 16. And this was literally an, an out of darkness and end of light experience, which, by the way, I would submit to you is actually salvation. <laughs> None of this, like, you know, pussyfooting around, like, well, I'll just dip my toes in. No, you're either in or you're out. What's it going to be? Are you going to choose Christ and deny your flesh? You know, or, or are you just going to ride on the fence for a little while? Because the last time I remember, he said he would just spit you out if you were lukewarm. Right? You're, either, you're either in or you're out. So this was a black and white situation, out of darkness and into light. I did an absolute 180. The, the, the middle school kid who was drinking and partying with the seniors in high school was voted by the, my senior year most saintly. Okay, So we're talking darkness and light, a clear contrast. And, and so I, I became largely... Uh, rule abiding. I say largely because, you know, there's still some stupid stuff out there that you're not, you know, not going to obey that stuff, <clears throat> like signs at a national park. You know, anyway. <laughs> it became largely law abiding rather than law breaking. And it was, it's amazing to see that a, that a mentality that was there a, as a child had chased me throughout my entire life, into like long into Christianity, long into my adulthood, uh, hear this thing, this, this fear, if you will, this, this well, let's call it what it is, this really clear judgment. It's actually a judgment against police officers and other like people in authority. It chased me like forever. I didn't even know it was in there, and yet it was. I'm sad to say... <laughs> All the way till 2018, I'm pastoring this church. And I still had the residue of my childhood judgments dripping off of my life, and I didn't even know it. Misty and I got invited to uh, an IHOP event. In fact, it was the last one thing event. Francis Chan was there. I was invited up on the stage to lay hands on him and pray. It was pretty cool. So I've got pictures of me on stage blessing and praying for, for Francis Chan, who's had quite a, or is having quite a transformation. He's really encountering the Lord right now. But it's good stuff. And so this is 2018. And Misty and I, we stopped and we got a, a, a cup of coffee, a good, you know, bougie cup of coffee. You know, it cost you your first child to just get a couple of cups, that kind of, that kind of fruit food coffee. You know, and, and we, were, we had gone to the Kansas City Convention Center and we were out in the hallway. We hadn't actually gone into the facility yet. And this mall cop decides he's going to start harassing us. You know, like Paul Blart. You know? Like, listen, Paul, 
you need to simmer down, buddy, all right? Like, you know, it, it, it was super clear to me right up front, this guy was on a power trip. Like, you know, and, and Misty says that he was simply asking us to make sure that we threw away our trash when we were done. I, I don't remember that, right? <laughs> you know, she has better memory than me, apparently. You know, I, I, I don't remember that, but, but I, I, do remember, I do remember my heart posture, you know? And from the moment Paul Blart came over and started harassing me, you know, I bristled on the inside, pride welled up, and I began to be defensive because this guy was trying to exert power and authority over me, and he just picked on the wrong guy. And so I'm like, all right, Paul, we're about to go down. I'm like, I'll get thrown out of this place before I submit to this crackpot, you know. And, and so we have a little bit of a, a, little bit of a deal, and, you know, and I, I can remember the guy being like a little bit like, are we going to do this, you know? Like, I'm getting ready to go and pray for pastors. <laughs> it's like, here I'm having a, a situation. I mean, it wasn't like a huge ordeal. It was mostly inside my heart. And we got away from that. And, and Misty goes, what's, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? She said, that man was nice. He was just trying to do his job. I said, that man had a power trip. He was wrapping me up in his tornado of power. No, he was not. He was kind to just doing his job. And I'm like, on the, I'm, now I'm like, my perception is right. I saw with my own eyes. I heard it with my own ears. Right? See, we dig our heels in, don't we? I heard it with my own ears. I had the interaction. I saw that guy. I looked him right in the eyes. I know what I saw. She's like, you know, what's more is this is a problem with you. What do you mean it's a problem with me? She said, every time some kind of cop or somebody in authority who thinks they're a cop <clears throat> confronts you in any kind of way at all or has any interaction with you, you immediately think they're out to get you. She said, I think you got judgments from your childhood and you need to go to Jesus. Good job, Misty. Now, there are times when I don't like my wife. I love her, but I don't like her very much. And this was one of those moments because on the inside of me, everything in me wants to go, no, I was there, I saw it. This guy was a jerk. This guy was a power-hungry pseudo-cop, right? Everything on the inside of me wanted to validate my behavior because I saw it, because I was there, because I experienced it. But her perception was different than mine. Completely different. I thought I had a negative interaction. She thought it was largely positive, except for my part. <laughs> now, how can two people have such a vastly different perspective? I have a different, expect a different perspective because I was carrying judgmental judgments. I was carrying judgments, deep-seated heart judgments, into every interaction I had with police officers. And those judgments were like lenses that covered my eyes and caused me to believe that what I was experiencing was true. This is what judgments do for you. Can I have three volunteers just run up here super quick? I'm just going to make fun of you and pick on you in front of the congregation so you have nothing to worry about. Come on, come on. Three volunteers. Thank you, Jeff.
We believe that we're right and that we're justified, but the truth is we're, we're not seeing clearly. We're seeing through eyes of judgment. Now, sorry, dude. You got the short straw, but those are, those are sweet, though. I'm going to make them work. You're going to rock them. You got this, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's so fitting. So fitting. So fitting. So these guys are now wearing lenses of judgment, okay? So what they think they, they saw, what they thought that they heard, what their preconceived notions, the ideas of what they had prior to coming into any given situation, you know, they're seeing through their lenses, right? And they're their lenses, okay? I'm just going to ask you guys if you would kind of describe what you're seeing out in the congregation today. What does it look like to you, John Mark? It's polka dots. Polka dot, polka dot, afro. I need a microphone. There we go. Good. Then it can be recorded for those at home. Polka dots. You see polka dots. What else? I is see it, polka dots. Is it a, is it a sun, sunshiny day? No, it's kind of dark in here. Oh, dark and gloomy, huh? Dark and gloomy. You must have woke up on the wrong side of the bed this morning. Yeah, I did. I did. I woke up on the What else? So it's kind of dark. What, 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 is there a color? Is it, look, is it colorful? Is well, it? it's just gray i'd say gray there's some color but you know it's a little grayer than usual okay that's that's interesting uh jeff what do you see when you look out well let's see uh, i see a balding handsome fellow back there by the door uh <laughs> who greets everybody uh, about my age and uh let's see what color is he uh brown he's brown yeah at least that's what i'm seeing hmm. okay I see a other bunch of uh, mostly brown people out here who are hungry for the word of God and have got a lot of questions going on in their mind right now. Pastor Sean, where are we going this morning? You know, but and when you look outside, what's the color? What does it look like to you out there? Somewhere between yellow and brown, a little green off there in the distance. Kind of, okay, yeah, yellow and brown. Is it? Is it? Is it really? A, is it a bright and sunshiny day or? Is it? Yeah. Depends upon your uh, definition of bright and sunburnt shiny, but yeah, a little bit. A little yeah, a little bit, a little bit bright and yeah, sunshiny. Yeah, okay, yeah. great. What do you got there? Looking well, the best out of this crew. I uh, wear glasses because I'm blind to begin with. So this uh, fuzzy purple sensation is quite interesting. I don't even know where my sister-in-law is at right now. She's somewhere. Hey, I see a hand. I don't see a face, but I see a hand. So fuzzy and purple. Fuzzy and purple. That's, uh, that's interesting. That's interesting. You know, and so obviously you, you get the illustration. But here's the deal. If this was real life, you wouldn't be able to convince these guys that what they were seeing wasn't true. Because these are the lenses that they're seeing all of life through. So for him, some judgment in his past, and obviously this is, we're speaking generically, has caused him to see life all speckled and polka dotted. Right? And not even pink polka dots at the point. <laughs> you know, some sort of judgment in his history and in, in his life is causing him to see brown people everywhere. <laughs> That's a new one by me. That's a new one by me. Do we get to keep the sunglasses by the way? <laughs> well, uh, let's see. These two were from the Lost and Found, and they've been in there forever. So, you, so you, unless somebody claims them, you got them, buddy. After next service, though. 
And here we're, we're, we're talking about, you know, purple, fuzzy, you know, Care Bears, you know. So, so go ahead and take those glasses off, gentlemen, and, and, and find your way to your seats, if you would. Thank you so much. Give them a hand, please. We, we would not be able, or it would be very, very difficult to be able to convince them that they were wrong, that what they were seeing wasn't accurate. I want to submit to you, this is one of the reasons why we can't forsake assembling together. See, we all have to have a a misty in our lives, and and if it's your spouse, God bless you, but I I would submit to you even beyond that, because the truth is my wife likes me a lot, and sometimes because of her love for me and her closeness and because she knows my heart, she can even smooth over what she sees because, well, she knows my heart. And, you know, some of you maybe don't know that as much, right? And so when you see me act in a certain way, it's like what I'm getting at is I, I need to have relationships, deep partnerships in my life who can see stuff on me, in me, and through the way that I'm acting that I can't necessarily see. Somebody who I trust on a deep level who can go, what are you doing? I've noticed a pattern with you in this. I thought it was an exception, but it's not. Every interaction you have with a person in authority and a uniform, you bristle, get all prideful and defensive and go to a weird place when that's not what was happening. You have to have somebody in your life who can speak in such a way as you respect what they're saying and then humbly you take what they're saying and you bring it back to the Lord Jesus and you go, man, what is this? What is this that they're saying? How can my perspective be so different than her perspective? We have to humbly bring that back to the Lord. The truth is, most of us have absolutely no idea that we're wearing lenses. This is what I'm used to. And sometimes you'll hear people say something, this is how God made me. It's my personality. And we use our personalities oftentimes as an excuse to, and a license to do all kinds of things, to perpetrate, like me, I'm a D personality. Well, I'm just, that's just how God may be. I, I'm going to be direct and domineering. No, it's not an excuse for you to hurt people, right? Like you're, you, we, have, we have judgments in our past that we have to explore anytime we come into a situation where we find out that our perspective looks a little bit differently than, than maybe those that are around us. Like, why am I thinking that way? Why, why is that happening? Well, maybe you've got a pair of lenses on and it's only via the Holy Spirit that you'll be able to, di- to discover that because you don't know that they're on your face until they're pointed out by somebody. This is church. This is what it looks like. And we, like, that's never going to happen if we're despondent and aloof and, and we never engage with anybody. We never join up with the destiny group. We, 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 never, we never allow anybody in to speak into our life to really see us for who we are. It's never going to happen. We're never going to know that we have those lenses. And if we're wearing those lenses, I, I'm here to tell you right now, it's making us miserable and it's dividing us because you're digging your heels in. You're absolutely right. That cop was a jerk. That woman is just a mercy-driven heart, and she didn't see what I saw. It just creates a wedge in relationship. You just see, even in that situation, if I were to dig my heels and be like, that's ridiculous, I'm dishonoring and disrespecting my wife, and it's bringing separation. Like It had something to do with a cop and authority, but somehow it always ends up back here. And now it's driving a wedge of separation here because I'm unwilling to listen to what she has to say. I'm unwilling to validate her perspective because I was right, because I know what I heard. I know what I saw. I was there. It's destructive. It's divisive. And it has to stop. 
absolutely has to stop. So we bring to the Lord some question. Why did I see this interaction as negative? Why did I see this interaction as negative? Holy Spirit, help me. You know, get, get into a place of worship. Whatever you've got to do to open up your ears to heaven. He wants to speak to you. He wants you to look like Jesus. He's willing to partner with you in this. What was it? Uh, what is happening in my life and in my heart that has caused me to view this situation and this interaction as negative? What lies do I believe about, in this case, police officers or those in authority? Are there lies that I believe? Well, in this case, the lie was that they're always out to get me. That's a lie. What lies do we believe about police officers and those in authority? Have I made a specific judgment that affects my perception? And I want to ask the Holy Spirit to define that for me. If the answer is yes, have I made a judgment? Yes, he says. Okay, then what judgment have I made? You know, you, you made, a, you made a, a judgment that cops are always after you. You know, oh, okay. Now we get the opportunity to partner with God and, the, and, the, and, and his power to repent, to renounce the lies, to renounce the judgment that we've made, to break lies, to release forgiveness over anybody who forgiveness needs. Maybe you've got specific incidences in your past. We're going to continue to use the, the police officer analogy. Maybe you've had specific interactions in the past, and the Holy Spirit's going to bring those things to mind. But he, he's bringing them to mind because he wants to walk you through forgiveness. Release those people. Release forgiveness to those in authority who have hurt you, or whatever your judgment is, wherever it lies. Repent. You know, repentance isn't, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. And then next week, I'm back to the same old, same old. No, if I've walked this process, there's power released to me to be able to walk in a new way. Repenting is changing and renewing my mind on any given subject and then being empowered to do something different. If, you're, if you don't have fruit that is within respect to your repentance, you haven't repented. You've just had remorse or guilt or, or something else. Repentance is changing your mind and changing your behavior as a result of a mind change. And God says his grace is sufficient for you. That means he's released to you empowerment to be able to do what you previously could not do. You have to identify it, break it off, release forgiveness, break those lies, renounce your judgment, and walk in a new way. This is where you find peace. Wow, we are at 1030, huh? How'd that happen? I got a whole nother page, people. I don't feel like I've been talking forever, have I? Hmm, maybe I have. Maybe I didn't do a very good job doing my notes this week. <laughs> oh, let's see. Another 35 minutes. We ought to have this thing wrapped up good. No, actually, I better probably stop. Hmm. Let me just quickly say this. Judgments operate under the law of sowing and reaping. Did you know that there was a law in the kingdom? You know, we, we reap what you sow. That's, a, that's, a, that's an absolute law. It's like gravity. If I were to jump off this stage, I'm not going to float. I'm going to hit the floor one way or the other. If my knees buckle, it's going to be a bad day for all. You know? it's, a, it's a law in the kingdom. So, so that means that if I sow greediness... I'm going to encounter a lot of people in my life who are greedy. You know, if I, if I sow anger, 
You ever noticed how when you come in and, you're, and you sow something like that, how people immediately rise to the challenge? Like, have you ever noticed when you come home from work and you've got a bad day and you come in and you're grumpy with everybody in the household, how everybody in the household reciprocates in kind? You know, how you, like, you sway the entire atmosphere because you're reaping and sowing. You're, you're, you're sowing anger. You're sowing frustration. You're sowing anxiety. You're sowing fear. You're sowing frustration. You're sowing grumpiness. And you immediately reap it because our go-to is to rise up and exchange evil for evil. But we reap what we sow, but it's, it's both good and it's bad. So if I sow <clears throat> kindness, then I reap what? Kindness. kindness, right? If I sow generosity, then I reap generosity. So it's both good and bad. If I draw near to God, he will. If I give, it will be. Huh? It's the law of, of, of sowing and reaping. And so what, what we find sometimes with judgments is that when you step into a critical condemning judgment, you inevitably end up positioning yourself to be, the Bible says, judged in the very same way. What inevitably ends up happening is, let's just say the alcoholic father raises up a son who despises and releases critical condemning judgments against him because of his behavior and all of that, right? Then the son raises up and somewhere along the lines, the son becomes an alcoholic. Why would he become the very thing he despised in his father? You became exactly the exact same person. You rose up and you literally followed in exactly the same steps. Why? Because sometimes when we release those judgments because of the law of sowing and reaping, it actually creates a scenario whereby I step into the trap and become that very thing I judged and have others judge me likewise. Do you see that? This happens all over the place, critical, condemning judgments that bind us into a behavior and puts us, or it really makes us the very thing that we despise. If you want a friend, you have to first be a friend. If you want your spouse to shape up, you wait for them to finally show up in relationship. Ah, but that's what we do, isn't it? You want your spouse to shape up and, and you're waiting for them to show up and they're strangely waiting for you to show up. Well, why, why would that be? Uh, because you're reaping what you sow. If you want them to show up, it's time for you to start showing up. Somebody has to own up and get mature in the relationship and step into it. And listen, I, it's a law of God. I guarantee you that there will be a point in which you'll begin to reap what you have sown. First Peter 3 tells us that the wife doesn't win her unbelieving husband by being a nag and a harpy and by being mean and reciprocating evil for evil. It says she'll win him by her chaste and respectful behavior. What's happening there? Sowing and reaping. She's saying, despite how you treat me, I will step in. I'll be the bigger man. I will be the mature one. I will rise to the standard of the kingdom and I will sow this in and I will continue to sow in until I have the promise that God has promised me in this marriage and in this relationship. And here's the thing, we give up far too often because we think that sowing and reaping is something that happens immediately, but it's not. It says that the farmer who sows will reap in due season. 
right? So there's a sense in which you sow and you do whatever you need to do. You keep sowing, you keep sowing the right stuff that you want to reap. And there's a point in which you are very, very happy because you've just yielded a crop in your life. But it usually takes time. It takes time to break the patterns of behavior. It takes time to develop. Uh, the, the, it's, uh, if you want to use a revelation example, it takes time enough in your relationship and in your life to fill up the bowl until it finally overflows. But you will reap in due season. You need friends? Go be a friend. You want a good wife, a good husband? Then be a good wife and be a good husband. Work on yourself. Get yourself cleaned up. Judgments operate under the law of sowing and reaping. We will reap what we sow. It's a law of God. Sometimes, in some cases, when we are a less dominant personality, let's just go back to the alcoholic father situation again. Sometimes if we're a less dominant personality, we'll not become the abuser, we'll become the abusee. You're still just reaping judgments just the same. It's just coming in a different way because you're a different kind of personality. Why do I continue to attract losers? I can't ever seem to get a good guy. Every guy looks great at first, but then eventually he turns out to be just like my dad. Why? Because you're reaping what you've sown. If you're identifying stuff in your life right now, if Holy Spirit's bringing stuff up to your mind right now, and I want to encourage you even to pray this week about it and ask him, what am I not seeing (laughs) Go after him. What lies am I believing in these various areas of my life? And, and how do I advance out of that? If stuff is creeping up in your heart, we want to invite you to come. The, the prayer ministry team, you guys can go ahead and come forward. How do you know you have a judgment? One, get in community. Get people around you who can actually see you and speak into your life. Number two, listen to yourself. If the words that come out of your mouth are things like always and all and, and never, you know, cops are always out to get me. People never see me when I come, right? If that, that's the language of the inside in your heart, you very likely have a judgment that you need to bring back to God and deal with. And what are you reaping? If you're continually reaping like in the case of, oh my gosh, every relationship is tragic. The next guy is as bad as the first, if not worse. If you see that cycle in your life, then you can trace the fruit that's happening in your life all the way back to the root. Lord, I see this pattern. Every time I have interaction with a law enforcement officer, I bristle and I get prideful and I, I'm rebellious and I, and I want to fight. Okay, great. You, you've identified the pattern. Now trace it back with the Lord. Why is that there? Why is that in my heart? Why is that pattern in my life? And go after it before the Lord. This is your homework for this week. What judgments do I have? How is it impacting and impairing my vision? What lenses do I have on my face? And help me, Jesus. (laughs) That's your prayer. Amen. Father, I bless these guys this morning and those with us online. Bless them, Jesus to encounter your presence in a way that reveals this stuff and we would just release wholeness and healing over them, that they would see it, that it wouldn't be hard to, see, to, to, to present it to you. It wouldn't be hard to walk in a new way, walk in a different pattern, to see things differently. I can tell you I've had, a new, I've had numerous interactions with law enforcement officers since 2018, all of which have been very positive. 
haven't had a lick of trouble. I've been pulled over. I've been, you know, not for speeding, but for tags situation. It was weird. Long story. But all those interactions have been very, very positive. I, I see police now and I'm like, thank you, sir, for your service. Thank you so much. You, ha- you have a hard job right now. You know, like I have nothing in my heart at all. There, there's freedom and peace and joy on this side of breaking judgments. Amen. Have a great week. Bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.